This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Outspoken author and academic Jordan Peterson's legal fight against his profession's governing body hit a snag in the Ontario Court of Appeal. Peterson was fighting a sanction from the College of Psychologists of Ontario, ordering him to undergo remedial social media training. Ontario's highest court declined to hear his appeal of a lower court ruling. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post reporter Tyler Dawson joins me to discuss why Peterson was in hot water with the college, what his lawyer tried to argue in court, and whether there's any further recourse. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. So Tyler, for those who may not be on social media or YouTube a lot, who is Jordan Peterson? What what is he best known for? Jordan Peterson is a political commentator um, based in Toronto, although affiliated with the conservative Daily Wire network in the United States. Um, But his sort of life begins his modern life anyways begins more in in Toronto where he was a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto and he became famous starting back in about 2016 when he started objecting to the use of gender pronouns and objecting to federal legislation that would have um basically encoded discrimination against transgender people uh under sort of hate crimes legislation and he he got quite a lot of airtime at that point um objecting to all of that and around the same time he also wrote a self-help book called 12 rules for life um that sort of kicked him into well kicked him onto the bestseller lists and also gave him some sort of some degree of sort of international uh acclaim and attention and over the past you know 8 or so years he's sort of parlayed those two experiences into becoming a fairly prolific quite conservative uh cultural commentator i, I think is fair to say so his evolution has really been from sort of a bit of an obscure university professor who posted lectures on uh youtube to a you know a a fairly in-demand podcaster and speaker best-selling author all those kinds of things and at no point has he ever not been involved in some sort of controversy um you know he did sort of vanish for several months while he was undergoing medical treatment and uh yeah and, and you know his daughter is also a podcast star and he's on her podcast fairly frequently he writes for the national post semi-regularly um you know he's he's just sort of fairly ubiquitous i think especially in terms of uh canadians with political opinions there's there's not really anyone else i don't think maybe naomi klein is the only other canadian sort of political commentator who is any sort of equal or or similarly prominent uh international reach and as you said, he's been outspoken on a number of issues, and this is courted controversy. And I think kind of the biggest, most recent one is he apparently ran afoul of uh, the governing body of his pr- profession, the Ontario College of Psychologists, back in 2022. And at the time, what were the complaints against him? Well, the complaints were sort of fundamentally about his 
online conduct. Um, you know, it was his some of his tweets, for example, he, he posted about Elliot Page saying that uh, Page had their breasts removed by a criminal physician. He had gone after a Sports Illustrated cover model um, for her weight. Um, he had feuded with Gerald Butts, the former principal secretary to Justin Trudeau, and quite an acrimonious exchange. He had raised concerns about child services involvement in the Freedom Convoy protests in Ottawa. He had talked about climate change on the Joe Rogan podcast. So, and, and so these sort of statements, these political comments, um, led to a number of complaints to the college. Now, the college has, as most professional associations do, rules about how their members conduct themselves, you know, outside of the workplace. This is the case for doctors, as we saw during the pandemic. Uh, you know, there was disciplinary action for anti-vaccine doctors. Um, certainly the case for lawyers, um, and is the case for psychologists as well. So these rules were in place. Um, there were a number of complaints made about his online conduct. Um, some of the complaints related to concerns about whether or not he would be able to sort of competently execute his duties as a psychologist. Some of these sort of argued that the comments, you know, were bringing disrepute upon the, the profession in some fashion. And so the college did an investigation of all of this and basically concluded that yes, some of his online conduct had crossed a line somewhere and that these um, risks bringing the profession and the college into disrepute. So that's sort of the the origin of this this most recent crisis or controversy. Controversy is a much better word than crisis. Yeah. And and so the college found that yes, that you know, ruled that essentially his conduct online violated their code of conduct. What kind of defense did Peterson offer up against these complaints? And ultimately what was his punishment? What did the, the college say that he had to do? Right. Well, his defense was basically that this was political speech and that this was an infringement on his free speech rights. And he's also said that some of his other comments, particularly around transgender people, are actually a professional opinion informed by the literature um, and not just the sort of views of someone who isn't qualified to be talking about them. You know, he did, there's sort of lengthy exchanges between himself and the college that sort of detail how he, you know, does monitor his social media. He has a team of people around him to make sure he's staying on track, those sorts of things. Um, but th that was all sort of to no avail. What the college decided in the end was that he needed to do some sort of social media training um, that he would have to pay for that would sort of go on until he, uh, till the trainer felt that he had, you know, gotten to a place where his social media conduct was going to come in line with what the college of physician or college of uh, psychologists said was, you know, sort of reasonable and professional in their opinion. So that's sort of where it ended to some extent um, in terms of that side of the interaction. Now, what he did after that was he went to the court system and, and asked the Ontario divisional court, sort of lowest level court in Ontario to rule well, he, he asked them to rule against the college and say that, look, they can't actually police in any fashion the conduct or comments of members of the college that are not related to the professional duties that happen outside of the, the clinic or the, the, the therapy room, that sort of thing. Um, 
So that's sort of where it ended up uh, sort of early last year, about January 2023, I think is when that sort of really came into sort of public consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he sought remedy in the courts. Did the lower court ultimately agree with him or did they say, no, the college is within their right to to try and manage the conduct of, of its members. Yeah, uh, Peterson lost is is the short version of the story. Basically, what the court said was, look, you became a member of a professional association. Professional associations regularly regulate the behavior of the members of that association. Um, and it's not really an infringement on your free speech rights that you have to comport yourself in a particular fashion online. Um, that's sort of the, you know, the very Coles notes version, basically the court said, look, associations can do that. They all do that. They've been doing it for a long time. Um, this is, this is not in order to have to undergo social media training is not, you know, sort of this colossal infringement upon your free speech rights. And so that happened, I think in August, 2023. So, you know, about six months ago and Peterson's response was to appeal that decision to a higher court, the Ontario Court of Appeals. Now, just this week, the Court of Appeals declined to hear the appeal from the Ontario Divisional Court. So basically what that means is he's, he's reached the end of the road um, in terms of his legal options here. There is no, you can't appeal the uh, dismissal of an appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada or something like that. So, so he's at the end of the road uh, in his legal fight over this. We'll be right back. Now, I mean, ultimately, do do we know why the Ontario Court of Appeal has said, no, we don't have time for this, or this isn't under our purview, or we don't want to hear your your reasonings? Uh, no, I mean, it's not um, unusual for an appeals court to simply dismiss without reasons a, 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 a appeal to them. But no, it was basically a two or three line thing saying, we do not grant the uh, request for a hearing on this matter. We don't grant the appeal, um, the lower court ruling stands. So, you know, perhaps that means the Ontario Court of Appeal felt they would just agree with the divisional court. Perhaps they felt that the legal issues raised were not important enough. Um, But no, we don't have sort of a full court ruling that details their, the three panel, uh, the three judge panels uh, reasoning on not granting that appeal. So where does that leave Jordan Peterson? Is it, he gives up his license? Does he just say, I'll cave and do it. I assume that that's not something that is, is likely that he's going to cave and go through with this social media training so he can keep his psychologist license. Yeah, it, it's a bit unclear. You know, I talked to him earlier this week and and it sounds like he's still sorting out to some extent what his um, approach is going to be. He certainly could give up his license and that would sort of end any of this. He certainly could go through with the training, but then at a certain point, it becomes a question of whether or not he has participated uh, fulsomely enough that they're going to allow him to keep his license or, you know, is has he sort of failed the training, I guess. And, and I should take a moment to note that we don't know exactly what that training might look like because he, he and his supporters are casting this as some sort of re-education to force him to adopt sort of woke sensibilities. That might not be the case. The case might be more about his language online or something like that not to offer a defense of either side here, but I, I don't think we know precisely what that social media training would look like. You know, it's, I, it, it's been cast as some sort of political re-education, but that isn't necessarily the case, although perhaps it is. So he could go through with it. Um, maybe he fails, maybe he doesn't. He, the, the thing that he has also sort of 
talked about a little bit is is doing the training and just making all aspects of it public. Um, some listeners might remember, for example, when Ezra Levant was before the uh, Canadian Human Rights Tribunal, I think it was, you know, this was, would have been 15, maybe 20 years ago now, and he sort of broadcast all of this on YouTube back then, and it sort of created this, you know, early days of YouTube, early days of um, the internet sort of scandal about, about human rights codes. So you can imagine that Peterson would be more than happy to have that sort of fight. Um, he, he has certainly said that there's the possibility he's no longer going to grant any of the people who've been involved with this anonymity. So perhaps he'll be naming the complainants or naming some of the people who are involved in the decision-making with the college. Um, it certainly sounds like whatever sort of road he takes here, he's going to up the ante and um, uh, certainly not go quietly into the night. Yeah. I, I mean, in response to the decision, you know, I, we'd know that Peterson, you know, very vocal on Twitter had talked to, you know, demanding that the, the college itself resign. Um, it, it, looking at it kind of from a legal perspective, what did his lawyer have to say about all this? Cause I, I feel like there is, even if you don't agree with Jordan Peterson, and I'm sure there are many listeners who don't, and perhaps listeners who do, there's, there's a sense that, you know, well, why should my professional body get to tell me what I can and can't tweet? Like, where? what's the legal argument here? Yeah, um, well, the issue that his lawyer raised is basically, if they can do this for Jordan Peterson in the College of Psychologists, what does this mean for other professions? So if you're an engineer or a lawyer or an MD or a nurse or... There's probably other professions that are not coming immediately to mind. You know, to what extent can your um, personal opinions or political opinions online be policed by this professional association that you um, are a part of? So, to some extent, that's the legal question, right? Is is we all have rights to free expression? To what extent can those be, you know, sort of circumscribed by professional associations? Um, and you know, it's it's sort of well, as journalists, we're sort of in the same boat, right? I mean, as a reporter, um, my political opinions are not something that I get to share. Um, not a part of a professional association or anything, but you know, it, are my free speech rights being affected in some fashion because I need to maintain objectivity and fairness in my reporting? Right. So it, it's sort of a it's a similar case for all sorts of other professions. You can imagine. Well, we know that's the case for for plenty of people. We saw during the pandemic people who got into trouble and lost their jobs over over their political opinions, whether that was um, via sort of a professional association or simply because their boss felt that they should no longer be affiliated uh, with the business because of their views. So that's sort of the outstanding legal question, I think, um, is to what extent can people's speech be, are there consequences or uh, limits on speech that can be imposed by a professional association or an employer or something like that? So, you know, maybe this has already been dealt with. I, you, you imagine that there has to have been some jurisprudence about this at some point in the past, but um, it, it, it has become a larger issue than just him. For example, there the Alberta Legal Alberta Law Society had a discussion about whether or not they were going to eliminate sort of Indigenous history training for new lawyers. That effort ultimately failed, but that was an example of you know another um, sort of speech adjacent adjacent case. And then at the United Conservative Party, Alberta's government at the party convention in I think it was late October or early November, there was a um, a policy proposal policy resolution that was debated 
that asked whether or not the government should try and rein in the the ways that professional associations can perhaps regulate the behavior, the, the non-work related behavior of some of their um, members. So it, it is a little bit of a larger issue than Jordan Peterson. And, and so his lawyer had talked about that um, in terms of this isn't just a Jordan Peterson thing. This is a where, where are the lines for these associations when it comes to free expression? Mm-hmm. And I mean, even this spills over into the political arena. I saw, I believe it was Pierre Poiliev tweeted that, you know, this is the state of Justin Trudeau's Canada. And if he's in power, he, things will change. Is there a change? Could could a federal government or a provincial government pass legislation that prevents professional organizations from intervening in these kind of cases? Well, it's a good question. And I, I suspect the federal government would have a lot more trouble with it just for division of power reasons. You know, a lot of these professions are sort of self-regulating. They, they, the provincial governments give over the regulation of these professions so that they don't have to do it. Um, you know, maybe the Alberta government could take over discipline and, and professional regulation of all these uh, different professions. But they, they do sort of exist for a reason and are independent for a reason, independent from government for a reason. So you can, maybe there would be some way for a province to craft legislation around that. Um, you know, you have to wonder what sort of pushback they would get from, from professional associations and whether or not they would feel that they were being subject to, to political power and, and political enforcement of the way that they operate these sorts of things. So you know, I don't know if it's been tested is maybe the the, the lazy part, the lazy way to answering the question. I, 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 I'm almost certain the feds wouldn't have that power because I'm, you know, you've provincial associations for almost all of these things. There's not a national mm-hmm. body of psychologists that does um, discipline, for example, it's all provincial. So the provincial government, I think, would, would likely have more power to, to do those sorts of things. But I, I don't know if anywhere has gone ahead with anything of that sort certainly not that I can think of it. And you have to imagine there'd be headlines all over the place if a provincial government had um, decided to do that. Yeah. Well, it certainly is a fascinating discussion, whether you agree or disagree with Mr. Peterson. Tyler, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Tyler Dawson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.